wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What a week, what a week. Welcome to the WrestleMania 34 Fallout edition of WrestleRant Radio, folks. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews for April 12, 2018. Hope you guys are doing well. And it's been a hell of a past seven days. I'm sure you can agree with me on that. From the Hall of Fame on Friday to TakeOver Saturday, WrestleMania Sunday, Raw and SmackDown respectively on Monday and Tuesday. And that's not even counting NXT on Wednesday, 205 Live on Tuesday night. We had Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor pay-per-view, the Impact versus Lucha Underground crossover event on Friday, and everything else going on in New Orleans over the last number of days. It's been a crazy weekend for wrestling fans, and a good one at that. The good, the bad, and the ugly, and the amazing. We're talking all about it on WrestleRant Radio here today. But quick shout-out, though. I had a great time talking to Tommy Sharp in a reunion here on WrestleRant Radio last week to preview WrestleMania 34. Many of my predictions did not come true. I'm sure that should not come as any surprise, but... I will give them this. I don't know if you think it was, I don't know if you thought it was a great show, a bad show. I'll give my two cents on WrestleMania soon enough. But it was certainly an unpredictable show. A lot like WrestleMania 32, but I did think it was a better installment of WrestleMania than from two years ago. So we'll talk all about it soon enough. But first, we're talking the Hall of Fame. We're talking TakeOver. We're talking everything else coming up in the coming weeks, months here in WWE, including the greatest Royal Rumble event. So as of just yesterday, They've announced a number of new uh, participants in the greatest Royal Rumble match of all time, a 50-man Royal Rumble match. They had previously announced Bray Wyatt, The Big Show, Daniel Bryan, and now they're putting in Kurt Angle, Chris Jericho, Baron Corbin, The New Day, among others. It's a stacked show. It's very obvious. You know, Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks have their all-in show in Chicago. It's very obvious that WWE is going all-in with this Saudi Arabia show coming up later this month. Not only does it air on the same day that Avengers comes out, so I'm not sure if I'll be able to watch it live. i got to work that day, so it's going to be a busy Friday. But it does air at noon Eastern time here in the States. So if I am around, that's a good time. I, I hate staying up at fucking in, until midnight to watch wrestling, and, and it's fine. But over the last couple of days, it, it's been a lot. I did not go to bed until like 3.30 on Sunday. After all the excitement of WrestleMania and looking at the thoughts and reviews and the two cents from other people on the show. I like the fact that the greatest Royal Rumble is airing during the day. A lot like TakeOver from a few years ago. I think it was TakeOver London. I appreciate that. It's something new. It's a refreshing change of pace. And then it's over here in the seats at like 3 or 4 o'clock. I'm sure it's going to go long. They have, a, they have a stack card already. They have the greatest Royal Rumble match. The ladder match, which I'm not sure if that's been confirmed or not. For the Intercontinental Championship, I think it's Rollins, Miz... Maybe Balor and Samoa Joe. I think a four-way for the IC title. Joe had made his Raw return on Monday. We'll talk more about that soon enough. But we got those two matches. Just announced The Undertaker 
versus Rusev in a casket match. Yes, that sounds like something you would see in a video game, but it is coming to fruition in a few weeks at this greatest Royal Rumble event. We have those matches. We have the bar versus the winners of next week's Tag Team Eliminator Tournament on Raw. Either Woken Matt and Bray Wyatt or the Revival. Very likely Woken Matt and... Um, Woken Matt and Bray Wyatt, I would I would assume so. I would hope so. I love the Revival, but let's be real here. Um, I would assume they will win that one. We'll get that tag team title match on that show. So we have that. We have, I believe, the SmackDown tag team titles also being defended. It's going to be the Usos versus the Bludgeon Brothers for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. We got that going down. What else? Oh, obviously, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns in a WrestleMania rematch. Why? Because fuck you. That's why. Really no rhyme or reason as to why Roman Reigns gets a rematch despite getting his ass handed to him on Sunday. I have no clue. I have no idea why they're doing it again, but they are. They're doing it inside a steel cage for the Universal Championship. So it's looking like a stack ship. We got that coming up. Backlash soon after that. I think the following weekend, if I'm not mistaken, um, which is a co-branded pay-per-view. And of course, the Superstar Shake-Up next week taking place a lot like last year on Raw and on SmackDown. I will be at the Raw portion. If you can recall, Tommy Sharp and I went to the SmackDown portion last year in Boston. Had a great time. And um, Raw should be even more spectacular. Because not only do I get the entire current Raw crew, I get the SmackDown guys coming over too. So Raw this past week I thought was excellent. We'll talk more about it in the latter half of the show. But um, SmackDown and Raw coming up next week should be shaken up to the very core. And Raw should be even better next Monday. So I'm looking forward to it. A great time to be a WWE slash pro wrestling fan but nevertheless i will save my raw to smackdown and smackdown to raw picks until the end of the show we have plenty to talk about from wrestlemania weekend so real quick to knock off the non-wwe items we had the impact versus lucha underground event that took place at wrestlecon on friday we also had the ring of honor super card of honor show just a very long show it was a very good show they could definitely check it out the the main event i thought was enjoyable between Marty Skrull and Dalton Castle for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Uh, the match of the night was hands down. I mean, there were, there were two great matches, obviously. Cody versus Kenny Omega, a feud that's been building for a long time now. Just the show felt like it went way too long. And you could say the same thing about WrestleMania. I did not watch Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor live. So I may have enjoyed it more because I wasn't up until fucking 1 o'clock in the morning watching it. But it was quite a good show. Uh, so in addition to Cody versus Kenny Omega, which was won by Cody, we had the Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team titles defended between SoCal Uncensored and the Young Bucks and Flip Gordon, which was a great match, won by SoCal Uncensored after interference from the Kingdom. So again, check it out at your leisure. I would not watch the entire show, but it was a pretty good show overall. And as for the Impact versus Lucha Underground event that took place on Friday, as I had mentioned, um, took place at WrestleCon. It was, it was a cool little show. I only just got finished watching it yesterday because there's been so much wrestling to watch from WrestleMania weekend, but it is a cool show. I would suggest you check it out. The main event of that show was supposed to be Austin Aries and Phoenix taking on Alberto El Patron and uh, Pentagon Dark, but El Patron had to pull out. We were never told why, but they did reveal a few days later on Twitter that Impact let him go. He has been fired effective immediately. And I don't know how this is going to affect their upcoming TV tapings or the shows that are already in the can. I have no idea. Because the main event of that upcoming pay-per-view in a few weeks was supposed to be Austin Aries versus El Patron for the belt. So it has since been changed to a rematch from that show, that Impact Lucha show. In Austin Aries, Phoenix, Pentagon Dark, Triple Threat main event, which is great. 
Uh, the first match on Friday I thought was awesome. The rematch should be even better with more time. But I don't know how this affects Impact's schedule and their shows coming up and if anything has to be overwritten. I, I'm not exactly sure how it's going to be addressed, but it, it will be interesting. Though, I will, like I said, check out, I will suggest to you, recommend to you, to check out that three-way from the Impact Lucha show. There was also a great tag team title match between LAX, Killshot, and The Mac for the Impact World Tag Team titles. That was a great match as well, so... Check out the show. Um, it's a little under two and a half hours long. I think it's on Impact's website, but you can also watch it on Twitch. That's where they aired it, so that's pretty cool. From what I saw, they didn't seemingly run into any issues with the streaming, so hopefully that can lead to more shows being streamed on Twitch in the future for Impact and other promotions. Um, but anyway, getting to the WrestleMania weekend festivities. So I don't think I'll be doing a full-on review of every single show from WrestleMania weekend, if only because there were so many shows, and I feel like it would take me an hour alone to talk about WrestleMania, um, but real quick thoughts on the Hall of Fame from Friday, again, a lot like a lot of the other shows this weekend, just very, very long. The show itself, without the red carpet, was four and a half hours long, and I'm all for, I am all for, I, I see what people are saying about the Hall of Fame, I am all for people taking their time to thank their family and their friends and and everything else and, and their and their fans for getting them where they are today in the WWE Hall of Fame. I enjoy the speeches. I didn't think there was a bad speech all night. I enjoyed Goldberg's speech. Jeff Jarrett's speech was very emotional. Um, the Dudley Boys, I thought, stole the show. J.J. Uh, Jarius, J.J. Robertson had a great speech as well that was only a couple minutes long. Kid Rock, short and sweet and to the point. Perfect. But I will say, echo the thoughts of many others, that if these people want to go long, that's fine, but they gotta cut down on the number of inductees every year. It is unnecessary to have eight inductees a year and then shove them all into a two to three hour period when they end up going four and a half hours. In going to WrestleMania weekend next year, I think I will go to the Hall of Fame just to say I've been there. Um, I guess it kind of depends on who goes in. If it's one of the worst classes of all time, maybe not, but... In the last couple of classes have been uh, either good to great to just flat out amazing. So I am hoping to go to the Hall of Fame next year, but I can't say I'm looking forward to the fact that I've, I've been going four and a half, five and a half hours. That's just a really, really long show for just talking. Um, but it was enjoyable though. Like I said, I enjoyed all, if not most, if not all of the speeches. I thought everyone did a great job with what they had to say, thanking the fans and, their, and everything else. Um, I enjoyed even... Hillbilly Jim's speech, which went, again, a little longer than it probably should have, but nonetheless, I thought it was great uh, regardless. So, good show on Friday. On Saturday, we got to talk about NXT TakeOver New Orleans. Now, I want to ask you guys this, and I'll probably pull this for the YouTube channel to see if anyone responds and to see if uh, anyone agrees with me or disagrees, because I've been saying this to anyone who would listen over the last week. Is NXT TakeOver New Orleans, was that the greatest TakeOver that NXT has ever done? And that's not a rhetorical question. I'm, like, legit asking you, is that the best takeover they have ever done? Now, I know we run into this question with every single takeover we have because every takeover is awesome. Every takeover has great matches, but usually on the takeovers, like, let's take TakeOver Brooklyn 3, for example. Great show, but the only one nitpick against it, I would argue, was, like, the main event. I thought the main event with Drew McIntyre and Bobby Roode was... Very mediocre. It was a good match. Felt very mediocre, though. Uh, obviously, Adam Cole and, and the debuts of uh, 
Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, the birth of the Undisputed Era kind of saved the ending of the show, in addition to crowning a new NXT champion. But that being said, that one match kind of, I don't know, to me, took away from it being a perfect show. I cannot nitpick anything about the show that I saw on Saturday. That start to finish was perfect. Really, every match delivered. Every match was at least great. And even the weakest match on the show, which I would say was would go to the NXT Tag Team title match, even that was a great match. And it had an awesome finish with Roderick Strong going heel, which RJ called first in the um, NXT TakeOver New Orleans prediction, so shout out to him that we did as an extra on the YouTube channel. He called that first. I thought it was a great booking decision to have Roddy go heel and join Undisputed Era, keeping the NXT Tag Team titles on the Undisputed Era in the process. We also had a new NXT Women's Champion crowned with Shayna Baszler beating Ember Moon, what I thought was a really, really good match. The opener, which was the NXT North American Championship, uh, the the crowning of the inaugural NXT North American Champion, a six-man ladder match with Ricochet, EC3, Killian Dane, Lars Sullivan, Velveteen Dream, and Adam Cole, baby. Everyone delivered. That match was out-fucking-standing. Every single person in that match that shined one way or another. The in-ring action was great. The call of the match for Mara Ranallo was great. Everything about the match, I thought, was fantastic. I thought everything about that match delivered as it should have. And I really, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, then you had the uh, semi-main event, the first of two main events, for the NXT Championship between Aleister Black and uh, Andrade Cien Almas. Another great match. Told a great story. Selena Vega constantly interfering, only for her to, uh, you know, backfire her interference, the backfire in the end with Black hitting the Black Mass and winning the NXT Championship. And then the main event, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, an unsanctioned match. Uh, really, if, if Gargano had won the match, he would get his job back. If he lost, he'd be banned forever. I think a lot of people thought that Johnny was losing. I know I, for one, thought that Johnny was losing and was moving up to either Raw or SmackDown soon after, but obviously not the case. He's sticking around in NXT a little longer, which is great. I think he's a great asset to the NXT brand. Uh, but no, I really, really enjoyed that. I thought the whole match was, again, perfectly executed. I thought they told an awesome story. They peaked when they should have. Uh, kind of a, a lot of callbacks to former, you know, former moments between their tag team days and the breakup and the split and since they've been rivals and stuff like that, the incorporation of the weapons and the drama and the suspense, the emotion, everything about this was perfectly executed, like I said. Really nothing to nitpick from that match. That's how much I enjoyed it. Um, the entire match was, I thought, the perfect topping to what I thought was a tremendous takeover. And again, I cannot nitpick a single thing about it. That's how good that show was. So again, I asked this question. Was NXT TakeOver New Orleans the best TakeOver that NXT has ever had? In my personal opinion, I think it is. I don't think there is a better TakeOver out there than what was better on Saturday night. I think everyone delivered in a major way. The matches were fucking phenomenal. And the payoffs were great. There were no questionable booking decisions like there was on Sunday. And even some unpredictable stuff too. I thought there was a chance Roddy could go heel. I didn't know if they would go. I didn't. I didn't know if they would go that route, but they did, which was really, really cool. And um, obviously, Black winning the championship. I thought when they put him on second to last, I thought there was a chance he might lose 
obviously not the case. So it was really cool. He ended up winning the belt. And the main event was perfect, too. So, again, I think TakeOver New Orleans is the best TakeOver they've ever done. My only regret is that I wasn't there to see it. That's how awesome that show was. So, obviously setting the bar pretty high for WrestleMania on Sunday. Uh, did not come close to topping it, but I thought WrestleMania overall was a good show. It, it was a weird show, as I put in my written review for NextDayWrestling.net. I thought it was a really weird show, because I did enjoy last year more, but again, that's just because I was there, so I'm kind of speaking from bias, from being biased. That being said, though, um, you know, I thought 32 was worse. I thought 32 was more disappointing. This show definitely had some unpredictable elements about it, but I don't know, I didn't walk away feeling super satisfied. Not the same way that I ended Raw and SmackDown with this past week. I thought I thought Raw and SmackDown did a better job of setting forth the future than WrestleMania did. But WrestleMania had a lot of great matches. I don't want to discredit WrestleMania by any stretch. There were a lot of good matches. And a lot of matches that entertained the hell out of me. Um, including that first hour of the card. I thought the kickoff show was what it was. The two battle royals were completely missable. One by Woken Matt Hardy and Naomi, respectively. Um, I, I enjoy Matt and Bray Wyatt winning. Uh, we've talked about this year before on the show. That with Bray Wyatt, I feel like the only way to salvage his character was to repackage him, which is one thing, or to turn him babyface. I would have been really mad if they just brought him back like no, like nothing ever really happened. But no, they're bringing him back now, and the story they're telling is that he was uh, exercised of the Abigail Demon by Woken Matt Hardy in his Lake of Reincarnation. And now they're friends. Which uh, I think is great. I think they're a really entertaining duo. We got a we got a good look at him on Monday in the tag team eliminator tournament, beating Titus Worldwide. So uh, I don't know. I thought it was good, and I'm glad they are now a tag team. So uh, the battle royal itself though was completely forgettable. The women's was more of the same. Naomi winning was kind of a kind of a weird thing. Um, not that I don't like Naomi, I do. There could have been worse choices, obviously. And I figured Sasha Banks and Bailey would cancel them, would cancel each other out, and they wouldn't win. But I would have given the victory to Becky Lynch. I don't see why not. Um, Naomi got her moment last year when she won the SmackDown Women's Championship in her in her hometown of Orlando. So I don't really see why she needed to win. I don't really care any more about Naomi than I did before. Now that she's won this, the inaugural WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal. Um, I don't know. I just really was not that big of a fan, but. It was a fine match, nonetheless, and Cedric Alexander beating Mustafa Ali to become the new Cruiserweight Champion. Very entertaining match. You really couldn't have gone wrong with either guy. Um, I would have been happy with the result either way. But I am a big Cedric fan. The guy's been waiting quite a long time to get that championship. I'm glad he finally got his WrestleMania moment and got the Cruiserweight Championship. Now he's moving forward as the head of the 205 Live Cruiserweight division. Uh, real quick on that, he did have his celebratory... Um, you know, a uh, celebration, whatever, his super celebration of the Cruiserweight Championship, the coronation of new Cruiserweight Champion on Tuesday night on 205 Live, which was interrupted by both Mustafa Ali, who showed respect to the new champion, and Buddy Murphy, who's been on a roll recently, beating Kalisto and winning a Fatal 4-Way a few weeks ago. So it looks like they're turning him heel, which is fine. I saw some criticism over that, like he was such a good babyface, why would they do that? Look, they need heels. 205 Live has no credible heels, except for maybe Drew Gulak. But we've seen Gulak and Alexander so many times, it was time to move on. So I'm glad they're moving away from that, um, and they're putting Buddy Murphy in that spot instead, because they need new blood on that show. And putting in Buddy Murphy in that spot, I think, is perfect. I don't care about TJP. I don't care about Ari Daivari. I don't care about Tony Nese. 
And Gallagher and Kendrick can focus on this new tag team title if they end up introducing that soon enough. But uh, anyway, I, I do I do like Buddy Murphy being first in line for a shot at that Cruiserweight Championship. I'm sure the matches that Alexander and Murphy will have should be great. And maybe even a three-way with, Mus- uh, with uh, Mustafa Ali involved as well. So I'm liking the current layout of the Cruiserweight division. Maybe even some more new blood will do that division a lot of good. So anyway, going back to WrestleMania, what I said earlier about the first hour just being awesome. Um, I thought the opener was excellent for the Intercontinental Championship. Seth Rollins, The Miz, and uh, Finn Balor fighting it out for the IC title. Just what was a really, really great match. Everything felt smooth. Everything felt just coherent, and it made sense, and it was logical and exciting. There was never really a dull moment, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And, um, and, and the best part about it was that any one of those three guys I realistically could have seen winning. I really did think that Miz was going to retain the title, but obviously not the case. That was Seth Rollins walking out as the Intercontinental Champion, which I'm completely okay with. I like Rollins in that role. He could realistically be World Champion right now. That's how over this guy is at the moment, but he's been firing in all cylinders between the gauntlet stuff, the chamber run he had, and everything else he's been doing in recent months. So I'm glad he got his moment and is now a Grand Slam Champion in WWE based off their current format, having won the World title, the now the Intercontinental Championship, the United States title, and the Tag Team title a few times, which is pretty cool. But anyway, uh, that was a great match. Really, really enjoyed that. After that, we had for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Now, I know I said it would not do a full-fledged, in-depth review of WrestleMania, um, so I will kind of keep it short and sweet for each matchup here. But uh, I did enjoy the SmackDown Women's Championship match as well between Charlotte Flair and Asuka. I thought it was one of the better bouts of the night. Uh, They had great chemistry. I'm looking forward to the eventual rematch. But the finish did surprise me, as it did many other people. I really did not think they would break the streak this soon of Asuka. She's only been on the main roster for six months. I know she's been undefeated now for like two and a half years. But she's only been in WWE on Raw for like six months. So I really did think it was premature to have her get beaten. Um, and I would have saved her undefeated streak to be broken by Ronda Rousey in next year's show, but nonetheless, it's very obvious that with Charlotte Flair being the one to end the streak, that she is the one being groomed for the Ronda Rousey main event at WrestleMania 35, and honestly, I'm okay with that. I don't know which match would be better between Rousey and Charlotte and Rousey and Asuka, but we could still get Rousey and Asuka at some point. Um, currently, they're on the same brand. I would move Asuka over to SmackDown. SmackDown needs the babyface star power, they have Becky Lynch, they have Naomi, they gotta shake shit up over there, I would put Becky on Raw, uh, Naomi can do her own thing, and you still have Charlotte, so replacing Becky Lynch can be Asuka, I think Asuka would be a great fit on the blue brand, we can get her and the iconic duo, we can get her and uh, maybe the Riot Squad, if, if they don't break them up, I'm not sure, her and Charlotte, the rematch, and obviously her and uh, Carmella at some point for the SmackDown Women's Championship. So I'm liking the current layout of the women's divisions on both shows as well. But going back to the streak being broken, I was I was kind of surprised. I was definitely surprised, a little bit disappointed. But it's not one of those things where I feel like they made a major mistake. It wasn't that big of a deal. It, it was a big deal, but it wasn't one of those things like, I can't believe they did that. What a dumb booking decision. I would not have done that. But it won't hurt Asuka in the long term. Um, I've seen people say, oh, this will benefit her. She'll come off as better. And now she's not as invincible. So her booking is better. And now I won't feel as, you know, bored or feel like it's so predictable, the, the outcome of her matches. Whatever. Whatever your argument is. I'm not debating that because I do kind of uh, agree to an extent. 
Um, I just felt like it wasn't the right time, but that's just me. I didn't think it was that big of an offense to really get mad over. I was like, oh, Charlotte beat the streak. I wouldn't have done it, but it is what it is. It is a big moment for Charlotte. If anyone's going to end the streak, it might as well have been Charlotte or Ronda Rousey. I did at one point pitch it being Ember Moon, based off the story they told in NXT, but Charlotte is a fine second choice, so I thought it was a great match. Regardless of what he thought of the finish, I thought the match was outstanding. The match was really, really, really good. So there's no argument about that. The United States Championship match, rather, a fatal four-way for the Star-Spangled Prize. It was Bobby Roode, Randy Orton, Rusev, and Jinder Mahal. I could not have cared less about this. The match wasn't bad. I just could not have given two shits. Who fucking cares about Jinder Mahal as United States Champion? I know the whole, oh, evil foreigner thing holding the U.S. title rights itself. I don't know. I really could not care less. I thought the match was forgettable. Typical, you know throw everyone in the car type of match. But I will say it, moreover than anything else, I was impressed with Aiden English having hair on the kickoff show then being bald by the time this match started. So I, apparently he shaved his head between the pre-show battle royal and this match. So that was quite the uh, quite the feat. I was not expecting that, so that was kind of cool. But uh, yeah, the U.S. title picture right now is doing nothing for me because if you saw SmackDown, it's clear at this point we're getting Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal again for the United States Championship at Backlash, one year removed from their WWE Championship match, which, the st- which was the story they were telling on commentary on Tuesday. Whatever. Um, the match has sucked. I don't think this does anything for Orton. It doesn't do anything for Mahal. I don't care about any one of the I, either one of these guys more than I did before. If anything, I care less about them because we've seen the feud before and we know they have no chemistry. So who the fuck cares? I don't want to see Orton as champion. I don't want to see Mahal as champion. So this is a lose-lose in my book. But whatever. We did get the match of the night after that, though. It was a mixed tag team match between Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey taking on Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. A match that I quite honestly did not have any high hopes for, but it ended up delivering in spades. All four of the people involved in this match played their roles to perfection. Ronda Rousey, despite still being green and being new to the business, whatever you want to say, I thought was perfect here. She was wisely kept limited until the second half of the matchup with Kurt and, and Triple H doing their thing for the first half, which they didn't embarrass themselves. They didn't They didn't botch. They didn't look uh, out of place. They looked good. They were fine. I thought Angle and Triple H held their own here. Stephanie, same thing. Yes, it was kind of ridiculous to think that Stephanie could beat Ronda or that she can get any offense over Ronda whatsoever, but... Suspending your disbelief for a brief moment here, it was a great match. If only because the crowd was involved from start to finish. There was not a single person sitting down for the final 10-15 minutes of this match. The latter half of this match was white hot. People were all over it, and they were super excited to see what was going to happen. You kind of figured Rousey and Angle would win, but based off some of the stuff they did on the show, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't 100% confident. Because you never know with WWE. But the match itself, I thought, was great. The crowd was into it. Like I said, the action was uh, better than I thought it would be. And I thought all four were tremendous here. Obviously, Rousey picking up the win in the end by breaking the arm of Stephanie McMahon, doing the same thing, repeating that feat on the next night's Raw. So hopefully that writes at Stephanie for a while, but I could see them milking this out, keeping Stephanie on TV to uh, you know put Ronda in precarious positions. But I don't think they'll do that. I think that's the last we'll see of Ronda for a while. Now, I know people were thinking, oh, maybe she'll be a full-time superstar. I don't get the feeling that she will be, at least not yet. I think they will save Ronda for for bigger matches and bigger shows. 
I don't think she's advertised again until the July 7th Madison Square Garden show. It's a house show, I think, in a few months from now. So we might not see her for at least another three or four months. I think we will see her at SummerSlam. I think she is on the promotional material for that pay-per-view. Um, but until then, I think she's going to be persona non grata on WWE TV, except for the fact they'll show replay after replay after replay of Ronda breaking Stephanie's arm. But still a great sight. If anyone deserved it, it was Stephanie's storyline. So anyway, a great match. I thought this stole the show. And I know it was not the five-star Mac classic. I think a lot of people thought Styles and Nakamura was going to be. But as a match, it was very entertaining and superseded my expectations. For the SmackDown Tag Team titles, kind of a dull match. The Bludgeon Brothers beating the Usos in the New Day to take the titles. Um, felt like a glorified SmackDown match. I feel like the previous match went a little too long, which is why this was probably cut short for time. What, what could have been a potential show stealer ended up being just another match with, uh, oh, look, a title change. I don't know. I just didn't really feel like it packed the punch that it should have, but... It was not a bad match, just very underwhelming to say the least, and very disappointing. Uh, we did have the return of The Undertaker to the ring on this show. John Cena calling out Taker, calling him out, calling him out. And he was sitting in the audience for the first hour, hour and a half of the show, which was impressive. John Cena was, so uh, he was in the audience for a good portion of the show before being told that Undertaker was indeed there. So he ran to the back, which has since turned him to a major meme online. But he goes to the back, he gets changed, he comes out, calls out Taker once again. This wasted a lot of time. This wasted a lot of time. But um, it, they got the end result that they were looking for. Elias ended up uh, confronting Cena first and getting AA'd, which was kind of a waste of Elias, but still in a prominent position with John Cena. So Elias gets AA'd, he's out of there. Then out comes The Undertaker when the gong hits. He comes out looking like... The Phenom, no American badass. I don't think Kid Rock was even there. I had read that he was, uh, I had read that he had to leave to do some sort of cruise, so he wasn't even at WrestleMania. He was at the Hall of Fame, wasn't at WrestleMania. Anyway, so Taker comes out, typical Phenom, looking a lot better than last year. I will give him that. Before squashing John Cena. A literal squash of John Cena. Hitting all of his signature spots, putting him away with one tombstone in less than three minutes. Which is insane. That is crazy. Um, I was not expecting that, but to be quite honest with you, I thought it was for the better. I thought it was very much for the better. If only, because they weren't advertising this anyway. So maybe if they advertised this many months ago, or if they were building toward I mean, they were building toward it, but they never once advertised the match for the show. It was never guaranteed to happen. And had this been advertised a while ago, people would have gotten their hopes up, and rightfully so, for like this blockbuster match. But I think we all know Taker is just not capable of that match in 2018. He's just not. He has not had a great match with anyone since maybe Brock Lesnar in 2015. But yeah, that was three years ago. The guy's three years older. The match with Roman Reigns was shit. The match with Shane McMahon was shit. Um, I cannot imagine a match with John Cena, regardless of how long it is, is going to be any better. So I'm glad they kept it short and sweet. Cena, this has you know, begged, a lot of the, uh, begged a lot of questions from fans in recent days. Does this mean that Cena wants a rematch at WrestleMania 35? I mean, maybe. I hope not. I could certainly see them going in that direction, but I really fucking hope not. I do not want to see Taker and Cena. To see it the first time, I don't think was necessary. Um, to see it again, I I don't know. What, for? so Taker can lose again? This should be it. I was going to say this should be it, but the guy's already wrestling again in a fucking casket match in two weeks. 
at the uh, greatest Royal Rumble event against, against Rusev. So this is clearly not the end of The Undertaker. I uh, probably thought, oh man, Vince is probably like, oh, you look great in there, Taker. Probably we should get you back for another run here. It's like he only looked great because he was in there for three minutes. Physically, yeah, he looked really, really good. In the ring, though, you can't. there's really nothing to base that off of because the match was so short. Um, I don't know. I just didn't really think this needed to happen, but it killed time, and it, which probably not a good thing on a five-hour show, but um, it was a nice little moment, and, and, and that was really what all that it was. It was, it was just really a moment and nothing more. For the tag team, I was going to say for the tag team titles, uh, it was not a tag team title match, but we did have Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon taking on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. If Owens and Zayn won, they would get their jobs back on SmackDown. If not, they would remain fired, and color me surprised, uh, Owens and Zayn lost. I thought they would win, and I thought they would regain their jobs on SmackDown. Not just yet. Um, the match was good. Bryan was, uh, he played hurt for the first half of it, and Shane McMahon had to sell from uh, Owens and Zayn. So the fact that Shane would be able to survive a handicap match for like 10 minutes against Owens and Zayn is really unrealistic. You would think that Owens and Zayn would do a better job of putting him away. But then Daniel Bryan tagged in. Uh, crowd went nuts. Very happy to see D. Bryan. Looked great like he hasn't missed a beat. And uh, ended up winning for his team by decisively defeating Sami Zayn with the uh, with the yes lock. So I thought this was uh, it, it was good. Felt like a SmackDown main event without, Dan without Daniel Bryan involved. It probably could have been a SmackDown main event, but... As a match, I thought it was good and had the end result that it needed. For the Raw Women's Championship, we had Nia Jax beating Alexa Bliss. Exactly what I thought it would be. Uh, didn't go too long. It actually went like 10 minutes, which really surprised me. Um, but it was it was a fine match. It was the end result they needed with Nia Jax getting the feel-good moment. And you know what? Good for her. She's really not that good. She's gotten better. She's not great. Um, but you know what? She deserved the moment. She's been looked over for a title opportunity, a title run for a while now. If there was any time to pull the trigger on a, on a Nia Jax title run, it was on this show, after the story they were telling and getting people behind her as a babyface, which is cool. And she's a genuinely good person, so at least they're playing to that like kind of side of her character, which is reality. Um, but I thought the match was really nothing special, but it did have the end result it needed. For the WWE Championship, a match that has gotten a lot of people talking, and not for the right reasons, AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura, I thought it was a great match, was not the match that it should have been. I mean, that, that goes without saying, because I think a lot of people would agree. Was not the Wrestle Kingdom 10 caliber contest I think a lot of us were expecting. Um, I don't know if there was a lack of bad blood between them, because the feud coming into the show was really not that good. It was, oh, it's a dream match, and that's that's all they were ever really saying about it. And that was it. Um, but I, I don't know what it was. The lack of crowd involvement, maybe the fact that it went on so late, but... Then again, you're not going to put on AJ Nakamura on first, so I'm not sure what they were, where they were going with that. But I don't know. Just it didn't really click for me. It never really felt like Nakamura was on the verge of winning the championship at any point because he never hit the Kinsasha. He maybe went for it once or twice, but that was it. I don't know. It felt like a, just a great match, but not the match I think we were all hoping for at WrestleMania. But anyway, um, AJ did win after you know. Uh, reversing Shinsuke's finisher into a Styles Clash, which he never wins with, which was interesting. So AJ wins in one Styles Clash to retain the title. Uh, they embrace afterward before Nakamura low-blows the phenomenal one and goes heel. So regardless of whether you... Th I, I think a lot of people can safely assume that they thought Nakamura was going to win. I think I can speak for a lot of people that they thought Nakamura would win. I thought he would win as well. So when AJ win, that was surprising. What was even more surprising was the heel turn. Nobody saw that one coming. 
The guy was so over as a babyface, I questioned the move to turn him heel. But then again, I think if anyone should go heel, it would be Nakamura right now. I mean, there's a few other people that can go heel. Roman Reigns, obviously, for one. But with Nakamura, the guy has had a roller coaster of a run on Raw and on just on, on SmackDown over the last year. And he's lost matches, he's won matches, he won the Rumble, but he lost to Jinder twice, like... I don't know where they're going with this guy. Then he loses at WrestleMania. So had he lost clean here and that was it, I'd be more concerned. But the heel turn makes it apparent that the feud's not over. It's only going to continue from here. So this is merely the beginning of a longer story between Nakamura and AJ Styles, which would hopefully lead to better matches, either a backlash or Money in the Bank or whatever. Um, so I like where they're going with this, and I was also you know, given more faith that they're going to book Nakamura properly as a heel. And it's only one night, but the follow-up on SmackDown I thought was great. Nakamura's backstage promo where he was like, oh, I don't speak English to Renee Young, and people died at that line. But I thought that whole, the promo, the attack later on, the new gear that he was seemingly wearing during the attack on AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan was uh, was great. I thought it was awesome. It was probably the best thing he's done on the main roster, like no joke, um, character-wise. I think the best thing he's done in the last year since being a part of SmackDown. So hopefully that will continue in the weeks to come. We'll see We'll, we'll see more of uh, heel Nakamura. Maybe he'll be more comfortable in the role. I'm not really sure. But I am interested to see where they go with it, where it leads. I'm sure Shinsuke will win the championship at some point. Um, but I thought this was a well-booked match. Again, not as great as it could have been, but at least they got people talking with the AJ Nakamura ma- or the uh, aftermath in the Nakamura heel turn, to be more exact. For the Raw Tag Team Championship. I'm not sure what else I could say about this that hasn't already been said, but I'll keep it short and sweet. Braun Strowman, instead of bringing out Samoa Joe or Rey Mysterio or even the James Ellsworth as his mystery partner for the Raw Tag Team titles against Sheamus and Cesaro, he enlists a fan, Nicholas, from the crowd to come in the ring, no joke, and help him win the Raw Tag Team title, which they do. They win the Raw Tag Team titles... And they relinquished them the very next night. Some people like this. The crowd went nuts for Nicholas to tag in, even though he didn't do anything, obviously. I just thought this was a giant waste of time. Really, just a giant waste of time. It got Braun on the the WrestleMania card, but it's like you could not have done anything better with this guy having them, as opposed to having him tag team with a 10-year-old. I mean, come on. I don't know. I thought that was really stupid, but it is what it is. People liked it. I didn't really care for it, but that's just me. The main event. For the Universal Championship, Roman Reigns challenging Brock Lesnar. I thought this sucked. I thought this was not a good match. The crowd crapped all over it. They could not have cared less. Regardless of whether the crowd pooped all over it or not, regardless of whether there were beach balls in the crowd or not, is really irrelevant. Just the match sucked regardless. It was F5 after F5 after F5. And then we all kind of figured Roman would battle back and then win. But, I mean, he speared him maybe twice, maybe three times, I don't remember. At least twice. It did not, it was not enough to do the job. But, what did do the job was six F5s. It took fucking six F5s for Brock Lesnar to beat Roman Reigns. That is fucking ridiculous. Ridiculous. And they had Braun Strowman, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, and even Goldberg go down to one F5. And all of Lesnar's previous outings. Even Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns went down to 1F5 at SummerSlam last year. But it, has, it, it takes 5F5s to beat him. Or 6F5s 
to beat him at WrestleMania 34. That, to me, made very little sense. The whole layout of this was just terrible. Nobody cared. People didn't want Roman to win, but they also didn't really want Brock to win either. Because the idea of the part-timer holding out of the championship for another month, at the very least, really does not appeal to anybody. Now, we all kind of know where this is going. Roman's going to win the championship in the rematch inside of a steel cage of the greatest Royal Rumble. What Roman did to deserve a rematch, I have no idea. That, to me, also kind of pissed me off. I thought that was very stupid. Without even addressing it on Raw. I mean, they addressed it on Raw, obviously. But they did nothing on Raw to allow Roman to, to earn a rematch. It's not like he beat someone in the number one contenders match. No, he was just announced as having a, a, a rematch of the championship. Why? Why should Roman, of all people, get a rematch after getting his ass handed to him at WrestleMania? I don't understand why. I just did not get that at all. But you know where this is going. Roman's going to beat him there. And they hope the crowd reaction in Saudi Arabia will be better to Roman winning the title than it would have been in New Orleans. And if it, if it isn't, that's going to be hilarious. But if, it, if not, otherwise, they will likely cheer him when he wins the Universal Championship. Hopefully the match is better than this, because I thought whatever this was supposed to be was terrible. I thought this was just was not good. Um, but anyway, that was WrestleMania 34, even though the main event sucked. That overall, this was a good, pretty good show. Maybe not a great show, but I thought it was one of the uh, you know more consistent manias in recent memory. I thought 32 was very disappointing. This show was not disappointing, like I said, did not leave me overly satisfied as much as maybe Raw or SmackDown did this past week, but it was a good show overall with, like I said, the matches of the night, in my opinion, being the mixed tag team match, the opener, and the SmackDown Women's Championship match. The show really peaked with that mixed tag team match, and it was all downhill from there, but Brian coming back and the Nakamura heel turn kind of saved things in that latter half. Anyway, that was WrestleMania. And the remainder here, I will talk briefly about Raw SmackDown. My picks for the Superstar Shakeup. So on Raw, it was a very newsworthy night. We had three returns and three debuts. For the returns, we had Jeff Hardy coming back for the first time, I think since September, uh, from a knee injury, or a shoulder injury, I believe it was, teaming with Seth Rollins and Finn Balor in the main event to be Miz in the Miz Taraj. People were very happy to see Jeff Hardy back. They did address him Uh, They did some sort of segment backstage with him, Matt Hardy, and Bray Wyatt, where they all interacted. One of the best backstage segments I've seen in some time in WWE. Um, I thought it was amazing, Bray Wyatt calling Jeff brother Nero. and To me, it really kind of felt like the payoff of the Hardy Boys stuff. It would have been weird if Jeff went to SmackDown without... um, Without addressing Matt or saying, you know, that they're broken up or whatever. I don't know, I just, I think that he's definitely SmackDown bound, I'll talk more about that a little later on, but I am glad they addressed him and the, and the Woken Universe stuff um, before he does probably leave, so I'm, I'm glad that's the case. I mean, Jeff is a single star, the guy's not getting any younger, he certainly does not look like he's in his 40s, um, but he looks great, he could still go in the ring, I don't see why you don't push him as a single star, I think now is the time. Uh, but I did enjoy that. So Jeff Hardy is back. Samoa Joe also returned, confronting Roman Reigns, saying that he will challenge him at Backlash, which will very likely end up being for the Universal Championship if Roman can win the Universal belt at the greatest Royal Rumble event, which I imagine he will. Um, and Joe will be the first one fed to Roman Reigns coming out of WrestleMania, but whatever. They've always had good matches. I'm sure their match at Backlash will be no exception. 
And also making his grand return, none other than Bobby Lashley. Now, we've talked about it here before on the show, with Bobby coming in, being done with Impact a few months ago. We all kind of figured he was WWE bound. It was more a matter of when than if he would show up. I think a lot of us assumed he would return on the post-WrestleMania Raw. The crowd is the craziest. Um, I'm glad they saved it for this moment. He got a great reaction from the uh, fans in New Orleans on Raw, uh, that who attended Raw on Monday. Got an awesome reaction laying out a lie, seemingly a babyface, which the only redeeming thing about that is if they set him up to beat Brock Lesnar, who is clearly a heel. So that's really what I'm looking forward to more than anything else, hopefully. Now, if Brock's final match is indeed the greatest greatest Royal Rumble event, which I'm not exactly sure about, because it was reported by .com on Monday that Lesnar had re-signed with the company, but... For how long is really the question. The last time, they did not hesitate in saying he was around for three years. This time, they did not specify how long Brock Lesnar is around for. Now, I could see him losing the belt and then leaving to go pursue the UFC stuff while he's still under contract to WWE. I'm not exactly sure. Um, I guess we'll find out in due time. I do tend to believe that they would not make such a big deal about him resigning if it was only for a month. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, but I do, like I said, I do assume Roman is losing the championship at the next show, but what was I even getting at? Oh, Bobby Lashley. Yeah, Bobby and Lesnar, even without the championship, as a SummerSlam attraction would be great, I think. Uh, Bobby, for those unaware who did not watch TNA, obviously the last time we saw him in WWE was well over a decade ago, was in July of 2007, though he was not officially released from the company until the onset of 2008. So any bad blood between the company and him has seemingly passed, which is great. Um, but in the time away, he went to TNA for a cup of coffee in like 2009, 2010. Did not last long at all. And then he went back in 2014 where he was until earlier this year. And he had a great run in Impact. Great matches with Bobby Roode, Austin Aries, Jeff Hardy, really anyone on that roster. And he had a number of dominant reigns as world champion with uh, you know more great matches with Eddie Edwards just recently. Sammy Callahan, and a few others in the last year or so. Uh, Bobby's had a a pretty good run for himself in Impact, and he's really come a long way, not only on the mic, but also in the ring. Um, Just as an overall character, he's gotten a lot better in TNA. It really was not until 2016 that became the case, Um, but the guy is really, 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 really good. So I'm glad he's back in WWE. I don't know where you go with him moving forward beyond the obvious squash matches, uh, maybe he does feud with Elias. I don't know if that does much for me really at all. Um, but I don't know. There's a few different choices. There, there's a few different ways they can go with this. And, um, you know, maybe they put him up against Big Cass when he comes back seemingly soon. I don't know if they want to put two returning stars against each other. But it's an option. But the bottom line is that I like that Bobby Lashley is back. Got a great reaction on Monday. And here's hoping he will be used properly this time around in WWE. Uh, now that he's also improved immensely. So those were the returns for the debuts. We had Authors of Pain finally arriving on Raw, and they were desperately needed on Raw. Their tag team division was depleted as uh, in, in a Matt Hardy-like voice. Speaking of him, him and uh, Bray Wyatt are now a tag team, which I talked about earlier, and they have entered the Tag Team Eliminator tournament. The Authors of Pain are not in that tournament, as I thought they could have been, but they're not. Uh, they did beat Heath Slater and Rhino in their debut. And uh, I'm glad they're on Raw. They, they, they're another team that I think a lot of people cast off early on. Oh, they're not good. They were carried to good matches by DIY and then by Team 6-1 and then by American Alpha. Like, no, they've had great matches with, like, pretty much everybody on their on their tag team roster in, in, in NXT. 
So they were long overdue for a call-up. They are not coming up with Paul Ellering. He did come out here, um, but they did address the fact that they're not bringing Paul with them, very likely because the guy doesn't want to work a full schedule, which is fine. Um, I would put him, Paul Ellering, so it doesn't go to waste or they don't let him go. You could put him with the War Raiders, the re-Christianed uh, War Machine, Nenaxed, that would be fine too. But I do like Arthur's opinion on Raw. I think those guys will do very well for themselves. Ember Moon, the newest addition to the NX, or rather the Raw Women's Division, I should specify. Um, she had a great first night on Monday nights. She beat, uh, she teamed with the Nia Jax to take on Mickey James and Alexa Bliss, pinning the former Raw Women's Champion with the Eclipse. So a very impressive first outing from Ember Moon on Monday Night Raw. So good match there. And also No Way Jose. I kind of figured that because he's been off NXT for a while. And usually when they do that, that means they have no plans for you, and they're either going to release you or call you up. And that was obviously the case with No Way Jose. So I'm glad he's on and or on Monday Night Raw. I keep I'm, I'm, I got to get out of this NXT mindset. Um, but yeah, no, I think he's a good addition to the Raw roster. Can be a solid mid carder for them as long as he does not fall down the Adam Rose rabbit hole. No pun intended. Where they just continue to do nothing with him, and then he becomes nothing more than an entrance, and that's it then he's doomed to fail. But for right now, I think he's uh, a good shot in the arm to Monday Night Raw. SmackDown also got, or no, that was all the call-ups for Raw. SmackDown also got the iconic duo. Again, another very long overdue call-up. Uh, they've been great in NXT for a while now. They have awesome chemistry together. It was very obvious that they were not going to win the NXT Women's Championship, so they might as well be called up. And they had a great first night on SmackDown, confronting the SmackDown Women's Champion Charlotte Flair laying her out, uh, allowing Carmella to cash in her money in the bank briefcase and become SmackDown Women's Champion. I thought the booking here was great. It made the iconic duo come across like a big deal, uh, gave them a first, you know, allowed them to make an impact on, on night one. And Carmella is the new SmackDown Women's Champion, which I, I thought she would either cash in and lose, especially if Asuka became the champion. It's it's a better alternative than having, you know, Carmella cash in on Asuka. I thought that would have been fucking stupid. But the way they did it instead with Charlotte beating Asuka clean, you know, whatever. That's fine. Um, tapping out, I'm not really sure if I like that, but whatever. But Carmella is the new champion I like. We need some new fresh blood on SmackDown. That women's division over there has been floundering for at least a year now. So I'm hoping that this gets the uh, SmackDown women's division back on track. So I liked all that booking over there. And the Iconic Duo, like I said, they're great. And I'm glad they're on SmackDown now. Um, also on SmackDown, we had a new SmackDown general manager named in Page, who re, uh, retired formally from in-ring competition on Monday's Raw. And this has been well-known for a while. Now we've talked about it here before on the show that her career is all but over. And it, but it was never really made official by the company. Uh, that They just kind of made it very obvious um, Paige very made it obvious on like Twitter and stuff like that that she's probably not wrestling again. She has not even gotten physical since she suffered that neck injury late last year. Um, so her going to SmackDown as the new GM makes sense. They can use her. I thought she was leaving the company based off what she said in her promo on Raw, but obviously not the case. And uh, she's a good addition to SmackDown. Now Daniel Bryan can continue to pursue in-ring competition. And um, he took on AJ Styles in their main event, a great match, before being interrupted by Shinsuke Nakamura. So a three-way for the WWE Championship with all three of those guys, AJ, Brian, Nakamura. Sign me the fuck up. That sounds like a great WWE Championship match for the uh, Backlash show coming up next month. So uh, the SmackDown side is looking pretty strong right now. I enjoyed SmackDown on Tuesday. We also had new number one contenders crowned for the SmackDown Tag Team titles in the United States Championships, respectively. In uh, Randy Orton and the Usos. 
So I'm not sure if that affects anything, or not the New Day, I'm sorry, the, the Usos and Randy Orton. But did I say the New Day? I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, uh, so we have new contenders crowned in those guys. I'm not sure how that affects their status for the Superstar Shakeup, if they're exempt, if they're eligible. I have no idea. But I did like SmackDown this week, Raw and SmackDown both. I thought that a very great job, a very effective job of establishing fresh faces on both brands and making it feel like they are really, truly ushering in a new era on both Raw and SmackDown. So I am looking forward to being at Raw this coming Monday night. I was at Raw 25. I'm in attendance for another notable show in just uh, a few more days in Hartford at the XL Center. It is the second annual Superstar Shakeup. What's funny is that I was also at the Superstar Shakeup last year for the SmackDown portion in Boston. So now I get to go to the Raw portion. And the draft was always one of my favorite nights of the year as a kid. One of my favorite nights of the year. Very glad it's back. And I get to be there for it, which is even cooler. So, cannot wait for it. We'll talk about my Superstar Sheikah picks right now here on the show. So, in the 2018 Superstar Shakeup, these are all the stars that I have going uh, from Raw to SmackDown. We'll go to the, from the Raw or the SmackDown to Raw picks first. We'll do that first. So here's who I have pegged going to Raw, and I could be completely off here. I think I got most of my picks down uh, last year in my Superstar Shakeup that I that I did for 20 um, 2017. So we'll see if uh, how well, how well I do this time around. Now they have not stated if NXT call ups are still eligible. Um, I don't think they were last year. I think it was just trades between the two shows. I assume they will be. Um, I didn't read. I did not read the NXT tapings from this past week that were recorded on uh, I think Wednesday night. But Andrade and Almas has got to be main roster brand. And I now I guess they could do Almas and Black too at the Takeover Chicago show, or Black Almas and McIntyre and a three way if McIntyre is good to go by then. But just that being said, I don't think they're going in that direction, and I don't think they should. SmackDown needs all the help they can get. The iconic duo is great, but when Raw gets Lashley, Joe, Hardy, Authors of Pain, Moon, and Jose, and SmackDown only gets Royce and, and Kay, who are really kind of just a, a two-for-one deal, that's kind of shitty for SmackDown. So I hope they do get more call-ups. Uh, Cassius Ono would be cool. I'm not expecting it. That's kind of a dark horse. And I think a lot of people are pegging Sanity for a main roster call-up. They would also bring, hopefully, Nikki Cross along with them. That's another women for the SmackDown roster, so... I would bring Sanity up, as well as Andrade and Alma. So, anyway, here's who I got going from SmackDown to Raw. Randy Orton, who I know just became the number one contender of the United States Championship on SmackDown this past week, but he's got to go to Raw. The only feed that we've yet to really... I mean, we could we could see Orton and Nakamura, Orton and Styles. We've seen Orton and Bryan before. Um, Orton and all these other people a million times. I guess they could move Orton and Mahal together to Raw, but... I don't know. I really do not really care to see Orton and Mahal on the same show anymore. Their feud has been terrible as it is. That would mean that it would have to continue. So I hope that's not the case. But I would move Orton to Raw, turn him heel, because the guy needs a fresh Kona Pate, fresh Kona Pate very, very badly. Uh, Baron Corbin, I would also move to Raw. He's been kind of spinning his wheels for a while on SmackDown. SmackDown is a better brand for him. And he was on the rise around this time a year ago, but after the Money in the Bank cash and kind of flopped... Uh, he really went nowhere. He did have a quick U.S. title reign, but I do think he is headed to Raw, where he would probably, hopefully, thrive and do better for himself than he did on SmackDown the last year. Uh, Becky Lynch, like I said earlier on in the show, I think Becky Lynch is a, in desperate need 
of a change of scenery. She has been overlooked for far too long on SmackDown. She was a big part of that brand early on, becoming the inaugural SmackDown Women's Champion, being the first women's pick for SmackDown in the WWE draft two years ago. But she has done nothing of note for at least a year now. For at least a year. So Becky Lynch going to Raw makes the most sense to me. I could see them putting Natalya on Raw too. I did not include her here. I put Ruby Riot as the other woman going to Raw just because they want to break up that fucking faction. I like the, the Riot Squad isn't bad. It just feels way too forced. And they're losers. No one cares. So Ruby Riot's got to go to Raw or one of the members of, uh, of the Riot Squad. But I would have it be Riot with Becky Lynch because we could see more of them mixing it up on Raw. A few they haven't really done yet. Um... But yeah, I'd have Ruby move the Rockets in the movie Natalia too, but I'd rather keep Becky and Natalia on separate brands because we've seen that match a million fucking times. Um, the Usos, I would move the Raw too. Again, a lot like Orton, they won a number one contenders match on Raw this week, for this, or on SmackDown this week, for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. And they will face, they will face who? Uh, the Bludgeon Brothers at the greatest Royal Rumble event coming up later this month. So, I mean, I guess they could still do the match with the Usos being on Raw. They've done that before with uh, Payback last year between Owens and Jericho, and they did that with uh, Bray Wyatt and Orton. They were all on separate shows, and they had a match anyway. So I don't see I don't see what's stopping them from doing the same thing with the Usos and the Bludgeon Brothers. The Usos have already beaten Brazongo. They've beaten every team on fucking SmackDown ten times. they got to separate the New Day and the Usos. Now, I guess they could keep the Usos on SmackDown and move the New Day back to Raw, but I don't know. We've seen that before. A bunch of times. Uh, the New Day were on Raw for a long time last year, so I don't know. I, I would keep the New Day on SmackDown, and I guess they could separate the New Day, but it doesn't feel like that time has come yet, so I would move the Usos to Raw. And now it's time for the Jobbers moving to Raw. Uh, I would move Ty Dillinger, because the guy's done nothing on SmackDown. I know Peyton Royce is on SmackDown. They're a legit couple. They don't like to break up couples, but who cares? I mean, with Ty Dillinger, the guy's been doing nothing for a long time now. Uh, I thought SmackDown was a good first brand for him to arrive on last year, but he has done next to nothing since then. They need to mix up the undercard for both shows. So I'd move Dillinger to Raw, or, uh, yeah, I'd move Dillinger to Raw. And then finally, Mojo Raleigh. They need to separate him and Zack Ryder. Um, I don't know if he would do any better on Raw than he was doing on SmackDown, but, you know, still, um, it's not a bad choice, and I think Mojo could get a, you know, a decent little push in the undercard, but I don't expect him to go that far. So now going from Raw to SmackDown, here's who I got. I mentioned him earlier, but Jeff Hardy. I think Jeff Hardy, now is the time to push him as a single star. He can be a very valuable asset to either the mid-card title picture or even the world title picture. I think Hardy, Brian, AJ, Nakamura, that's a pretty stacked main event scene right there. So I'd move Hardy over to SmackDown. Finn Balor along with him. Uh, Miz and Rollins are Miz and, um, yeah, Miz and Rollins are doing their thing currently over on Raw over the Intercontinental Championship. They don't really need Balor anymore. Um, I'd move Balor over to SmackDown. He has been just an afterthought on Raw for a long time now. And I think he has a better shot of winning World Championship Gold on SmackDown than he would on Raw. So I'd move Raw, I'd move uh, Balor over to SmackDown along with Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. And then the whole Balor club has barely scratched the surface in regards to what they're capable of. Um, so I'd move all of them to SmackDown, hopefully turn them heel, because those guys have been floundering for a long-ass time now. Asuka, I'd move her to SmackDown too. Um, I thought she was moving to SmackDown anyway and winning the SmackDown Women's Championship. Obviously not the case. But I do think Asuka is needed more on SmackDown at this point than she is on Raw. She's already faced Nia Jax, Alexa Bliss, Bailey, and Sasha Banks a million times. So uh, I would move her to SmackDown. 
Speaking of Bailey and Banks, I was thinking about moving one of them, but I feel like there's much more of a story to tell with them on the Raw side, with one of them going heel soon, which they could rush and do the, you know, do the payoff of Backlash, but I'd rather they take their time with it, so I would, um, you know, I, I would keep them both on Raw for now and move Sonya Deville over to SmackDown. Now, it makes sense. I mean, I guess it would make sense for Paige to enlist both Sonya and Mandy to SmackDown, I guess they can move both factions to the opposite brand, the Riot Squad, the Raw, and the Absolution faction of SmackDown. I don't know. I really don't care about either of those factions. I think they could uh, they could do a lot better for themselves if they were separated. So I'd move Sonya to SmackDown, especially since Ronda Rousey's on Raw. You don't need two MMA fighters on the same show. So I'd move Sonya over to SmackDown. And now time for the jobbers, like I said earlier. We got Ty and Mojo going to Raw. So to SmackDown, I got Apollo. Gotta break up Apollo, uh, Titus Worldwide. I know Raw needs more tag teams. Titus Worldwide is not the answer. Nobody cares. They're fucking losers. Apollo, I'm not even sure why they moved him to Raw in the first place. I thought, you know, a fresh, you know, a new scenery on SmackDown. He really wasn't going anywhere. But I think he has a better chance of becoming something on SmackDown than he does on Raw. The guy's been on the main roster now for two years. Has done jack shit. So I hope moving back to SmackDown will be his ticket to get pushed again. And then lastly... For shits and giggles, Heath Slater. Because why the fuck not? Um, him and Rhino, they ran their course like a year and a half ago. I'm really surprised they're still together. Again, like I said, I know Raw Tag Team. I know the Raw Tag Team division needs all the help they can get. Slater and Rhino are a nothing team. Just create more teams um, from the people you already have. Because Slater and Rhino are not going to be the answer. So I'd move Slater over to SmackDown. And those are my picks for the Superstar Shaker for 2018. Once again, moving to Raw, I got Randy Orton, Baron Corbin, Becky Lynch, The Usos, Ruby Riot, Ty Dillinger, and Mojo Raleigh. And then moving to SmackDown, I've got Jeff Hardy, Finn Balor, Asuka, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, Sonya Deville, Apollo, and Heath Slater. So those are my picks. Who would you guys want to see move in the Superstar Shakeup this coming week? Who to Raw and who to SmackDown? Would love to know your picks right here in the comment of this video, comment section of this video that I'll likely put up on YouTube, or just tweet me on the Twitter machine with your respective picks for the Superstar Shakeup. So, like I said, the Superstar Shakeup is one of my favorite nights of the year, and I'm even more pumped for it, because I'm going to be there with Jason in Hartford for Raw on Monday. So it should be a great time. I have my full on-site uh, report of the show from Raw coming up next Thursday right here on WrestleRant Radio. So, Speaking of which, did not mention it at the start of the show, but I should do it right now. If you guys want to listen to full episodes of Wrestle Rant and Radio, find me on nextairwrestling.net. The entire archive is up there, as well as on iTunes. Simply search up Wrestle Rant Radio on the Apple Podcast app. Subscribe, rate, review. You get not only every new episode on Thursdays, but all the archived episodes as well, dating back over a year. So it's a great deal, completely free of charge, obviously. So subscribe to the podcast for more weekly content. It is now easier than ever to listen to Wrestle Rant Radio. Um, anyway, guys, we will be back next Thursday with, like I said, my on-site Raw report from Hartford from the Superstar Shakeup. Thank you for listening to me here today on WrestleRant Radio, breaking down everything from WrestleMania weekend, Raw, SmackDown, and my picks for the Superstar Shakeup. You guys can follow me on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant. Find me on Facebook at facebook.com backslash graham.gsm.matthews and find me on YouTube as well at youtube.com backslash graham.gsm.matthews. Matthew, or youtube.com backslash C backslash Graham GS and Matthews. And of course, all my written reviews and whatnot on nextairwrestling.net. So with all that being said, guys, have a great rest of your week. 
Kick back and relax. WrestleMania weekend was crazy. A lot of fun, but crazy. I'm ready for a break. Hopefully you are as well. Enjoy the week, guys, and I'll catch your ass down the road.